open a book and it invites you to fall in. That was my North Star. I always sailed towards that star. You have to be really grateful and recognize that you're not better than someone who's unpublished. You're just luckier. Welcome to the National Writer Series from Interlochen Public Radio. I'm Doug Stanton. Emily Giffen has written seven novels that have been described by critics as chiclet, but Giffen herself takes exception to that characterization. I have the sense that they're saying these books are all like beach read fluff and there's nothing of substance here. I think that suggests that women in a relationship driven stories lack substance, which is sexist and I object to that. Emily Giffen's novel, Something Borrowed, was made into a movie starring Kate Hudson and John Krasinski. Her latest novel, The One and Only, debuted on the New York Times bestseller list at number one for hardcover fiction. Guest host and national news editor Stephanie Murray asked Giffen what that felt like. It's pretty thrilling. I, my first, the last five books were all number two. And uh, <laughs> if you're familiar at all with football, my, uh, my husband made the comment that I was the Buffalo Bills of writers. <laughs> and uh, somehow I mentioned it in an interview, and then the New York Times picked it up, and then they called me the Buffalo Bills of writers. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a great feeling. It's yeah. really thrilling. Well, that, that nickname will go away now. <laughs> I kind of liked it, though. He even gave me a Buffalo Bills t-shirt for Christmas Cute. last year. So, but um, well, tell us a little bit about the book. Um, tell us about the one and only. What's what's the storyline? Sure. Um, well, I've always I, I've always found that it's a it's a little boring to delve too much into the fiction when you haven't read the book. So I'll be very brief. Um, but I really wanted to explore the idea of um, unconventional love. Mm -hmm. um, I think so often we expect our lives and our relationships to look and be a certain way. Um, and I was really um, inspired by the question, you know, what if you, what you want isn't right on paper? Or what if you fell in love with the one person you shouldn't? Mm -hmm. And um, beyond that, a little more specifically, um, it features a 34-year-old Shay who lives in a small, um, football-obsessed town in Texas. And she's, uh, her life is one of, you know, she, her relationship is, feels good enough and her job is, feels safe. Mm -hmm. And there's this moment this, you know, that happens at, in the first chapter of the book where she asks herself, am I really living the life I'm meant to be living? Am I meeting my destiny? And I think that's another question that we all ask ourselves at various points for, for various reasons. And mm -hmm. that inspired the book. And it seems like it's something you probably asked yourself when you were in Lon London, right? It was London when you made the decision to start writing? Well, it was, um, I used to be a lawyer, so um, I discovered that misery is very motivating. Um, I think sometimes it's almost it, when things are just good enough that you, yeah. it's more, more dangerous terrain. I was just completely miserable practicing mm -hmm. law, but when I left the University of Virginia, I had $100,000 worth of debt, so mm -hmm. um, I didn't have much choice but to practice for a little while yeah. until I paid that back. But there was definitely, for me, that's a theme that I've uh, visited several times mm -hmm. within several books, mm -hmm. but that, that feeling of really needing to take a risk and, and take that leap of faith and just follow your instinct that, um, you know, that you get, on, get on your path. And that's definitely what I did when I left my law firm. And I, I was practicing in New York City and I moved to, I moved to London mm -hmm. where I wrote something borrowed. That's what I'm thinking. So, right, clo close enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, so uh, what took you from New York City to London? Well, if I had been truly brave, I would have gone to Italy oh, and okay. written Eat, Pray, Love, right? There you go. Um, <laughs> but I love that book. It's um, a great book. So, you know, I, I always wanted to live abroad, and mm -hmm. um, 
and, and have that experience. And I was 29, and at the time, I thought that 30 was just such a scary benchmark, which is ludicrous. Um, but so, you know, I was leaving the law. I was sort of ending a relationship that wasn't working for me. I was mm -hmm. really, um, I'd, I'd written, it sounds very romantic and, you know, charmed. Oh, I moved to London. I wrote something borrowed. It was published. And it's all, you know, I never looked back. But mm -hmm. um, the, the piece that's missing from that is that I ha had been writing really my whole life mm -hmm. and then had written a whole novel while I was practicing law and paying mm -hmm. back my loans. So at night, and sometimes when I was billing General Electric. <laughs> it's a flat rate, so I don't feel that guilty, but. I still remember the client and billing number was 80020 matter one. It's really, it's been 12 years since I've been there, but. Um, so, so, what was your question again? Oh, why? <laughs> I don't remember Why London? That. Why London? Why so. London, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, that was just, that felt, that was a, out of my, huge push for me. Yeah. But I wasn't quite brave enough to do, you know, to France or Italy mm -hmm. or somewhere. Yeah. You One know. more question about this book, and then I have so many yeah. questions for you just about sure. being a writer and the process and your characters okay. and everything. Um, in the in the intro to this from Random House, um, Jennifer Hershey says that every time you outdo yourself, and she calls this your best book yet. Do you agree with that? Well, I. I one of the things that really motivates me as a writer is to always, you know, continue to evolve and tell a more substantive story. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think the characters, when I wrote Something Borrowed, I was 29 and, you know, I was, I'm not going to say immature, but a typical, you know, 29 year old. And I feel like mm -hmm. I've, you know, now I've, I got married, I've had three children, you know, I have this change in careers. And so I continue to try to write a deeper story and a more layered story. And one of the things that really does, you know, motivate me not only sort of internally and to tell a better story is I never want my my you know, very loyal readers to just to, to say, you know, I liked her old stuff better. I mean, we all we've all said that about you know musicians or, sure. or authors, like, oh, mm -hmm. I liked her first few books, but that strikes fear in my heart. So mm -hmm. I mean, there's so always going to be a book that is your favorite, but yeah. I like to think that I keep you know telling keep. stories that are you know as good or better than the one before mm -hmm. it. Keep so better, yeah. Um, so that was. And so your books are about um, relationships. They're about the deep complexities in so many and relationships in different parts of people's lives. Um, and I wonder how much of yourself ends up in the books and how much of your surroundings and your environment, right. you know, where do you draw inspiration for those stories from? Well, I do write books that are very relationship-driven and relationship-rich. I write mm. about mothers and daughters and husbands and wives and you know, friendships, female friendships, male-female friendships. So because I'm writing in, in that terrain, of course you draw naturally on, you know, your own relationships. And beyond mm -hmm. that, I think as people, particularly as women, we often discuss and analyze relationships of friends of friends. So you, you know, you, you talk to your yes. best friend and then you say, well, how's, you know, how's Laura doing? And what, what's, mm -hmm. what's the latest with your sister? And so there's so, there's so much terrain to work with. Um, as far as, you know, how much I share with my protagonist. Mm -hmm. I've, I, you know, I've now written, this is my seventh book, and I've written in the first person, save for Heart of the Matter, which with alternating perspectives between mm -hmm. first and third, two women. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. So this that. is, right, so just to sort of distinguish the voices, I did first, first, third, so it didn't, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it can be confusing when you change voices, but. Yeah. So if you consider that, that's eight, eight women, and mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think that for me to effectively tell a story, I have to connect to, to, the, to my protagonist in, in, in 
one significant way. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I've never written any book that's truly autobiographical or, yeah. you know, the plots are not something that have, none of them are familiar in my life, like mm -hmm. as far as the actual plot. But feeling like I can relate to a character, whether it's, you know, a similar job in the first book, she was a lawyer, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, in this book, um, Shay, my, my main character, she's, you know, she's 34, not married, no children. I obviously have a very different life, mm -hmm. but we're both very passionate about, you know, college sports and mm -hmm. athletics. And mm -hmm. so I could really relate to her with that. And I really didn't think about that I was, I was, as I was writing it, but my best friend from high school, who, mm -hmm. he's a writer out in LA, um, called me after he read the advanced copy and said, you, this is the first time I felt like it's, it's so, she's so similar to you. And I, and I thought, no, no, she's not. She's not married. She's not this. She's, yeah. she's 10 years younger. But um, I, I can see, after I yeah. thought about it, I, I really did feel a connection to her voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And if you haven't read um, The One and Only Yet, there are a lot of really amazing football references in the book. And I wondered as, as I was reading mm -hmm. it, um, how much research did you do for this? Yeah. Did you just know all this stuff off the top of your head as you were writing? And then I read somewhere that you're specifically a college basketball right, nut, right. in addition to Brady Bunch. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> Brady Bunch. Uh, um, I, did, I got stumped, by the way, on the Chicago News. I got to get did that you? off my website because people will quiz me on the, you know, on the news. They showed a clip and I'm like, come on, I'm nervous, I'm on TV. <laughs> and then I was like, Doug Simpson. But, um, you know, college sports, first of all, I should say that this is the backdrop of the book, but it's mm -hmm. still, you know, and it felt like a risk in some ways, you know, when my editor said, do you think that your core demographic won't relate to this? And I think, the oh. first, first of all, I think women, love sports just as much as men in, mm -hmm. in many cases. But also, you know, I, the, my analogy is I love the Rocky movies, but I don't like boxing. I never watch mm -hmm. boxing. But for me, my background I'm, uh, was a basketball manager at Wake Forest. I grew up very passionate about college basketball mm -hmm. and wanted to be a manager of a major program. Tim Duncan was at Wake, and he's playing tonight. So mm -hmm. that's my last vestige of youth, that someone <laughs> that I handed towel and water to is still playing in the, in the finals. But um, so that was... You know, I changed it to football because I felt like it was more, you know, uh, football and Texas. It just felt like, you know, they went sort together. of bigger, more mm -hmm. colorful, perhaps, yeah. than college basketball, more universally relatable. Yeah. But um, I think that that world really worked well for some of the themes in this book, particularly mm -hmm. the idea of loyalty, because one of the things that was so, that, that, you know, that I noticed so much about my experience as a manager is, this team was like a family. Mm -hmm. And you know, we were incredibly loyal to one another mm -hmm. and we very diverse backgrounds, but you come together with this common goal. And yeah. I think that really those themes really worked for this story. But it could have mm -hmm. been set really the same the same relationship dynamics could have been set in in a variety of it didn't need to be football. Sure. As far as research, I just realized I didn't answer your question. Yeah, I was, yes. yeah, I was gonna, I was, <laughs> how did you get all that so information? I, I mean I know enough about football that it wasn't mm -hmm. You know, it was, but it, 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 in places I would ask, you know, my husband, he knows more and a mm -hmm. few, couple other friends knew more. But mm -hmm. um, for those of you, I promise this talk won't be about college football, but <laughs> if you know um, Pat Dye of Pat Dye Stadium, you know, Auburn, yeah. he, he read an advanced copy. Uh, so did Coach Beheim, and they both blurbed it. But Coach Dye um, called me on the phone and said, I want to know how a Yankee from Chicago knows so much about football. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, that's the ultimate compliment. So, um, yeah. but don't be turned off if you don't like football because it, it really, you know, you, it's not 
No. It's not that. It's definitely yeah. not. No, the book it's is not. a little not flavor a, here and there. Yes, yes, so. for sure. It's a backdrop, absolutely. So I, I think there are probably a lot of writers in the audience. Um, this is the literary crowd we have here. I wish I could see the literary crowd. I know, crowd. I was saying, But I when it's Q&A yes. and the lights come on, I'll be able to and see we'll be able to see And then I brought there. my camera because I want to take a picture of you all. <laughs> about it. Anyway. You worry about that. You're like, is I'm okay worried. I'm like, my I need camera my camera or, like, under there. Fine. That's like big, yeah. Totally. The audience okay. will love it, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> How do you, um, what's the process for you when, when you're writing and you're developing a story? Do you, do you start off by knowing and generally outline of where you want to take it? Mm -hmm. Or is it just a process where you just start writing? Do you have characters develop? What's sure. that like? Um, well, for me, it's, it, it, maybe it's a reaction to being a lawyer and practicing law and having mm -hmm. to just outline everything. And you know, you know when you write a, a brief or a legal memorandum exactly what you have to do. And so I think in the, in the, in the early stages, was so refreshing to me when I was writing something borrowed and living in London to just sort of, oh, I'll go, you know, let's see where the story takes me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I vowed after that um, that I would start outlining because it's, you know, okay. it's inefficient mm -hmm. to, to write that way. But I've never been able to, to, to do that. So this mm -hmm. is the seventh book that I've, that's been published, eight, including the one that was rejected. Um, and, and I've never outlined. So what mm -hmm. I, I usually come up with a premise that inspires me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, what if you love the one you're with? What if you, you run, everyone has this one who got away? What mm -hmm. happens if you run into that person and sort of have a second chance? Like, you know, yeah. baby proof. What, I don't need to give you examples. You know. Sure. You, you get mm -hmm. the drift. Yep. Um, yep. But the premise comes first, then the characters, mm -hmm. and then the characters form these relationships and then they it drives the plot in a very you know organic way mm -hmm. um, and I, what I've said before is that you know creating characters is like meeting a new friend you know mm -hmm. we we met a little while ago mm -hmm. and we talked and we just had you know coffee and tea and mm -hmm. you know I learned that you're you know moving to Nashville or your, mm -hmm. your husband is and yeah. you know you, the more you tell me the more that I understand you and you know, your background, and as you get to know someone, you know more what they would do in a situation. So what mm -hmm. I think my characters will do in the beginning is, is, is often not what they end up doing, mm -hmm. and I really try to be true to, to who they are and mm -hmm. to their relationships. And as the relationships form, of course, that can take you in, in varied ways too. But I usually sure. do have a beginning, middle, and end in mind, mm -hmm. but um, I, it, it almost never follows that. Yeah. And it, it, didn't in, it didn't in this book either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The only book... And I think maybe that's why I mentioned Love the One You're With was um, that's the only one where I could not figure out what she was going to do. Maybe mm -hmm. it's just I had a, just had a baby and I was mm -hmm. like, but um, I, I just didn't, I, I didn't, I couldn't get in her, I, it, it could have gone both ways. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you're writing and, and, and you're you have a beginning and a middle of end laid out in your mm -hmm. mind, how much when you're writing do you go back and say, oh, I don't want that or oh, that's not right, and do you kind of second guess as you're writing, or is it really just a free flow and you keep going? Well, I'm a, this isn't exactly what you're asking, but yeah. as far as like the writing process goes, I'm yeah. a huge reviser. You I revise and, okay. revise and revise and revise and mm revise, -hmm. and I think that's, you know, for me anyway, what really elevates a book, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so I start every day of writing, revising what I wrote the day before, and that also makes me feel better about those very unproductive days where you, you know, you don't have the word count and the, you know, outputs. Yeah. Just, oh, well, I at least I revised this and made it better from the day before. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of the first 
thing that springs to mind with that sure. question. And what was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was You're, so thrown off my game with that uh, Miss Flight. It, was, uh, it said boarding time so 8.05, and I could have sworn it said 8.50. So I'm two gates down signing books at a newsstand, yucking it up with the person <laughs> selling books and taking photos for... Oh, I couldn't believe yeah. that. But I love the fact that you were walking through the airport and you, like you said earlier, you're not going to walk by your own books and not sign them, which is no, great. I, and you well, stopped and... I think it has a little more to do with OCD. I'm like, I really should sign that book. It's my matching teal Sharpie. Yes. But, um, yes. Only the teal Sharpie for the yes, one and only. Yes. My daughter, way. she's six years old. She's in the first grade, but she was just diagnosed with mild dyslexia. And, we, you know, we had got the report and we're sitting there and you know, discussing the plan for next mm -hmm. year. And I said to my husband, I'm a best-selling author. She didn't get this from me. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the, the therapist said, oh, it's usually very hereditary. So when I told him today, he's like, how'd that happen? I said, I thought it said 850 and it said 805. And he goes, <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, you're not dyslexic or anything. <laughs> like, shoot. <laughs> and so you know, that's Harriet? Harriet, Harriet. Right. And she's seven? She's, she and just turned seven. And so she, so. and she, you, you mentioned to me earlier the story about how she's seven and she made an observation about. Right. So she credited herself with the number one debut because it was my seventh <laughs> book and she turned seven. Yeah. And then she, and then Sweet. she said, maybe you'll be eight. No, wait. Like she rec recognized that that wasn't, I'm That's like, I don't write good. a book a year. Yeah. And then when I told her, you know, they were on speaker and, um, you know, said the book was number one and mm -hmm. everyone was excited. Um, you know, they were all they were all happy about that. She said, "If you're joking, this isn't very funny." <laughs> no, that wouldn't be very funny. What is the life of an author like? Of a of a best selling author? I mean, you've had yeah. great commercial success. Um, you know, dozens of folks, hundreds of folks will come out to your book signings yeah. and to meet you. And what what is life like today for you? I mean, I think my life is very typical of any, you know, working mother. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you just, it's very un, very unglamorous. I mean, you know, this, this is another Harriet story, but I was, you know, there was a picture that was a photograph that was in Atlanta magazine. Mm -hmm. And um, she, I look, I said, look, Harriet, I'm, I'm in Atlanta, Atlanta. And she opened it and she said, that's not you. And I said, yes, it's me. <laughs> I'm like, look, and she looks at it. She goes closer, she closes the magazine, throws it on the table, she goes, well, it doesn't look like you. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, you get your kids off to school, you know, you're, you know, you're just trying to, you, I feel so lucky, you know, that to have had this, you know, yeah. to, to be even be published and to, mm -hmm. to be read. I mean, I feel very lucky, but it's, you, you're just, you're constantly just writing, trying to make, make a deadline, yeah. revise the book, get it turned in, you know, and then it's time to get ready for a tour. And then, mm -hmm. of course, in the back of my mind, I know that as soon as I get back from the tour, it's, it's time to write the next book. And I'm a mm -hmm. slow writer. I mean, are you? Well, I mean, Wait, what's I guess slow? in the scheme, in, yeah. the in the scheme of things, maybe in between. But a lot of commercial writers will put out a book a year, and that's just it's it's impossible for me. I did mm. 04, 05, 06, and um, then I just I just said I can't I can't do this mm -hmm. anymore. Like you, you miss the whole summer with your children because you're on tour. And um, I just didn't think, kind of referencing back to my earlier answer about mm -hmm. wanting to always, you know, continue to write a book that was as good or better than the yeah. one before it. I just didn't feel that I could keep that level of, you know, quality, mm -hmm. and and really, you know, be proud of what I was putting out and, mm -hmm. and, and keep readers and 
cultivate new ones yeah. with that with that um, pace. I feel slow compared to a lot yeah. of my peers who are writing. What is your pace writing. normally? Like if you if you spend I write it about 15, 15 months. It takes me to write a book. Okay. But then the revising is several months more, mm -hmm. and then you're getting ready for a tour. And to really be you know effective, I think at that, you have to sort of take off the writing hat and then mm -hmm. really put on you know, the, the, the marketing, and mm. especially now with all the social media and all the things you can be doing. Yeah. And um, that to me is, I enjoy parts of it and I, you know, I, don't, I don't like other mm -hmm. parts of it, but I like the connection with readers. Yeah. I like going on tour and, and talking to the people who are reading the books because mm -hmm. it can be so solitary. Yeah. So to have that connection, I think, is, is, is exciting. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But. And speaking of social media, you're, you are really good and active on social media. If you don't already follow Emily, she's active on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, and you do a really yeah. great job. Well, thanks, and thanks. You, you, do you do that all yourself, or do you have yeah. folks who help you post? And No, I, I, do it, I do it myself. And sometimes I think I use it to procrastinate. Because I'm like, <laughs> well, you, social media is very important, so let me post a picture of the cupcake, you know, that... Um, so uh, you're working. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like really yeah. hard. But you know, I'd also rather do a load of laundry than write half the time. So <laughs> you know, it's I think that's how that's the curse of right the writers it's out there. How, how many of you are writers? I can sort of see. Yeah, well, we've got yeah. some writers. Yeah. So I mean, it's I can revise a thank you note, you know, <laughs> five times. You know, go through five. Yeah, but so. Yeah, so you yeah. do all that posting yourself. I do. Yeah. Do I you do. like it? Um, yes. It, I, I mean, it's work, I, I but it's also engaging with the folks who are. Yes, I think it, it does feel. You know, I'm a little bit of. I'm an introvert. I'm a sort of a closet introvert. I feel like I've learned to fake it very well over the years. So that's um, that's a way of interacting. Yeah. In, you know, you in a limited sort of way where you can yep. still be in your pajamas or, you know, in your sweats and you can kind of interact with people. So I think it's, I, I, I enjoy it. And I think you can tell mm -hmm. when someone enjoys it versus when someone's doing it for, you, you can yes. sort of tell the, the people who are. Yeah. I think that comes else. through in your social media that you do enjoy and you like talking to your fans. I mean that you, you do, you yeah. respond and. I try, I mean, yeah. I try to, it's, it is, it's, it's, yeah. it's, gra it's gratifying to, to also hear very directly, you know, when I, when I wrote my first mm -hmm. few books, there just wasn't any of that. I mean, there was mm -hmm. MySpace, but, yeah. you know, um, so it's, it's really gratifying to be able to connect and hear so immediately what people think. And it, yes. and it really, you know, I, I've said this before to them, to, to, to readers, but it really helps you get through writer's block. When someone's saying, I can't wait, like, oh my gosh, I'm counting down the days until your next book, you think, mm -hmm. okay, like, someone's excited to read this. And, yeah, um, it's a motivation. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it is for me. Yeah. It is. Do the, do, does your publisher tell you, like, to give you give advice on how active to be with social media or in other forms of marketing yourself? Like, how much do they give you guidance? Well, you know, with the leading up to the book tour, they, they'd have like, you know, can you tweet, can you, can you post something about this or something about that? And can you do a video thing? Okay. And I, and I actually called them at one point and Random House is amazing. They're mm. so professional and good and on mm. top of it and wonderful to work with. But at some point I think, you know, I, I just mentioned to my publicist, like when, when it's script, when you're telling me that I need to post this, it, mm. it just feels, it doesn't feel right. It has to has to be more, yep. I'm not going to organic. say organic with the, well, I mean, that sounds does, like, yeah. come on. It, it sounds like a farm to me. But. Yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a post. It can't yeah. be that organic. Authentic. But yeah, authentic, authentic. is a better word. Yeah. That's a good word, yep. yes. Yeah. So you're a good editor. Uh, yes, yeah. hopefully. Yes. I just got this job. Editor-in-chief. So. <laughs> Editor-in-chief. That's, 12 that's weeks. Huge. 12 that's weeks. Huge. As someone asked me the other day, they're like, you know, what's, what's going to happen in a, a year from now and this and that? We're planning. I was, well, I hope I still have a job. No, I, mean, I just got here. Great. So we'll see. We'll see. So you mentioned earlier, you said something about luck. And when we were um, having tea downstairs at Brew, we mm -hmm. talked a little bit about the luck involved in, in getting published. And I, right. I, I hope you could talk a little bit yeah, more about sure, that for, sure. for this group. Well, you know, I, I do think it's sort of like signing the books as I pass a newsstand. Like, I, mm -hmm. I feel like one of my greatest attributes is that I'm extremely hardworking. And, mm -hmm. and I've always been that way. My publisher said to me, like, you're the hardest working author. And so I take that as such a compliment. And that's a very important part of, I think, my success. But I think that you have to work hard to create a lucky break for yourself. So mm -hmm. you can't overlook the component of luck. Yeah. And, you know, I... I worked very hard. I wrote this book when I was practicing law and then I quit and then I went and I had a self-imposed deadline and I will finish this book in a year and, mm -hmm. and I did. And so of course that was all, but at the end of the day, it still required the huge, enormous, you know, luck yeah. of, of having someone say, we're going to buy this. And we were talking mm -hmm. and, and I, I'd like to try to insert this into all my talks when there are any writers in the, in the group, but there's such a thin line between, you know, um, being unpublished mm -hmm. and and you know having millions of you know being num number one on the yeah. it's such a thin thin line and you, you can't you know when I submitted that manuscript I had an agent who said to me the very first manuscript she said uh, this isn't you know you'd have to change it in all these significant ways for mm -hmm. me to even represent it and uh, my husband then boyfriend said you got to play ball with her and change it and I said I, I'm just not feeling these changes mm -hmm. so then I submitted it and. It's, you know, it's sold millions of copies. It's in 35 languages. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing that's so important to remember is you had one agent who said, you know, I don't, I don't like this book this way. You have to change it. And then I had someone who bought it exactly as is. And it doesn't make the one person wrong and the other person right. It's just mm -hmm. such a matter of taste. Mm -hmm. It's such a, you know, the, the is this too long-winded of an answer? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Not at all. No, um, this is great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just you're getting to the good it, part. Okay. So when when I when I was writing in the beginning, before I was in the world of publishing, you know, the insider world, I used to think that like if you submit a manuscript to to Random House, mm -hmm. that meant that there was at least twenty people reading your book, and then they all would have like this little book club in a conference room, and they would say, <laughs> "Can we sell this book? And do you think she's a good writer? And do we see mm -hmm. potential there?" when really it, it goes from your agent to one editor. So mm -hmm. my agent picking a certain editor to send it to, like knowing that person and thinking, okay, she'll connect with this work, is you know, what if she had just bought a very similar book to something borrowed the week before? Or what if she had been in a really bad you know, breakup and she didn't want to hear about- She the, personally just didn't connect yeah, with the story. Yeah, or what if she just didn't like it? Yeah. So that's one bite of the Random House apple. So once mm -hmm. they say, once that one editor says no, you, you, you get this rejection letter. And then if you get eight of those, that means that eight people mm -hmm. said no to your book. But that's not what you imagine as an unpublished writer of like this universal rejection from all of New York City. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. it's eight individual people. And mm -hmm. so I think it's just important to remember that 
on the unpublished side of writing mm -hmm. to keep your faith if your goal is. I mean, there's plenty of writers who don't want to publish. Yeah. And they're just as much of a writer as a published, mm -hmm. you know, writer is. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to remember on that side, and I think it's equally important to remember on 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 this side that you know you have to be you, know, you have to be really grateful and recognize that mm -hmm. you're not better than someone who's unpublished. You're just you're just luckier. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That's my that's my two cents. On, yeah. On, yeah. No, that makes luck. A, that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of people hoping that they they hit that one editor and and get lucky and get that manuscript landed. So yeah. you mentioned that there was that the first manuscript got right. rejected. Right. 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 What right. happened to that? Oh, I still have it somewhere. It's not very it? good. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know if we don't, I don't know. believe that. But that's my agent, my my bad agent story. Oh, okay. Um, she, um, not that she's the reason that it wasn't published, but she was she was um, finally. It's on my website, I think, actually, mm -hmm. as like inspiration to uh, to unpublished yeah. writers. But she, I couldn't get her to even answer my question about the submissions. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and I shouldn't mention her name, but it's Jody Rhodes. <laughs> 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 but she, um, she's out in the West Coast, Jody yeah. Rhodes. <laughs> but she, she would not tell me like a simple like status report. And finally, I said, you know, Happy New Year, Jody. And I just really like to circle back. I recognize that there's not, you know, good news. But I would really like closure on this manuscript. Sure. And, you, and she wrote back, they all rejected it. Like that's all. She, they all rejected it. I'm like, oh, that's like no bedside manner there yeah. at all. How did but you she, find her in the first place? I mean, it was just, I sent it to like, you know, eight, just one of those oh, books. Oh, okay. So and I sent it out gotcha. to a few agents and she, you know, wanted to represent it. I think she's, she probably deals with a large volume. I really shouldn't diss her, but it's Jody Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the my, West Coast. <laughs> my sister mentions her every now and then. She's like, do you think Jody knows? And I'm like, honestly, I don't think she does because I think she probably signs a lot of clients and, mm -hmm. you know, but. Yeah. Until the one day when she shows up in the audience. Yeah. Like, I'm Jody Rhodes. <laughs> Hi, that would Emily. be bad, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be bad. I talk a big game under the bright lights when I can't see anybody. <laughs> so you also mentioned a couple of minutes ago um, a part in your website where you give advice to inspiring writers. So what is uh, some of your best advice for folks who are trying to make it or who are yeah. writing and maybe they haven't published yet, they want to be published or they've got that first sure. book published? Well, I would say that like? the whole, you know, my answer to the whole question Lucky. about, yeah, just, mm -hmm. just that you have to, you have to recognize that you, you can't, you can't have your whole um, path defined by a few people's opinion of your work. You have mm -hmm. to just keep after it. Um, I, I think also, you know, read a lot, write, keep writing. You know, I think mm -hmm. n even the very best mm -hmm. writers I've, I've heard don't feel like writing it's like working out i mean sometimes you really don't want to do either yeah. and you just sort yeah. of have to have to put in the time and and and, and write mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. i think that's important and i think you know if your if your goal is to be published you, you can't you, you you can't have that in your head all the time like will this sell and will this you still mm -hmm. have to really be tell the story you want to tell and that's something that i try to keep in mind with every yeah. book you know i try to you know not if I'm not excited about the story, mm -hmm. then it, no one else will be. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the same, you know, the whole the movie side of things, I'm often asked, like, do yeah. you write with, you know, with a movie in mind? And mm -hmm. it's, you know, absolutely not. Perhaps mm -hmm. I should, you mm -hmm. know, if I were being commercially more savvy, mm -hmm. but I can't, I just, I don't want to 
be that, um, you know, yeah. strategic mm -hmm. in, 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 a fic, in with writing fiction. Mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like you have to have this deep connection to your story and your characters. Mm -hmm. So, When do you write? Um, you know, I have to be in a little more scheduled because of having children. Yeah. But really, um, so I try to write, you know, when they're when they're in school. But mm -hmm. it's um, it's really sometimes I write in the middle of the night. Sometimes mm -hmm. really early in the morning is a very quiet time. Mm -hmm. um, but because I'm slow, I, I really have to put in a very full fifty hours a, a week of 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 work of some, You oh. know, it, the breakdown varies with the cycle of, mm -hmm. of the publishing. But I, I work 40 to 50 hours mm -hmm. a week, and mm -hmm. that's not when, um, like, getting the manuscript in. Then it's probably more when it's like close to a deadline. Sure, sure. Do you go to an? Do you, do you have an office specifically that you go to, or do you do you have an office yeah. at home, or where do you go to write? One of the reasons that we we lived in one home in Atlanta, and then we moved. Um, and one of the reasons that we chose this house is because it has mm -hmm. like this little um, like pool house in the back. You know, really small in a loft-like area, mm -hmm. and so I'm able to write there to oh, detach nice. from the house because you can't really. I mean, with three with the three children, it's you know, when they come home from school, like everything stops if you're not out there. But yeah. I also find that in the life of every book, I need to have at least two significant trips, like four or five mm. nights away. Oh, okay. Because even when you're when you're home, like it, to really get in the groove of fiction, I mm -hmm. think you need, you need, you know, like 10 hours of mm -hmm. quiet versus just like the six. Yeah. Um, so it's very helpful to me. I love writing in really like loud spaces too, which I think is unusual. Like airports are great. Yeah. Um, today would have been great. I was going to say this morning. Script. I, yeah, I was that's too, why you missed your flight. I was too distraught today <laughs> to write. I'm like, I'm such a loser. Like I found out last night that I'm number one and, and then, um, yeah, then I missed my flight. It was such a rookie move. And I, kept, I said to my publicist, I was not shrinking last night. I was with, like out with my 11-year-old nephews and my sister. I just transposed the numbers. So Gosh, I'm, just so glad, I'm just glad I got here. I'm for you to so be number glad. one, too. I mean, that's yeah, just it's, such it's awesome fun, news. I'm I just love glad. That. I'm glad I'm here. This is the coolest. Are all of you from here? A lot of you from here? Yeah. yeah. It's the... I was I'm blo I was blown it's away. Beautiful. I mean, I grew up in Chicago. I went to high school in Chicago, so you know I had friends who vacationed here. And but it's just so exceeded even my you know mm. expectations of how charming and and the weather was beautiful it's, today. Oh, it's perfect. Uh, sunny yeah, and warm. Like more hours here, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know you have to leave so early tomorrow morning, yeah, or else we three thirty wake up call. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, the hard part about a book tour. Isn't so much yeah. the the, the, the engagements, the events, it's the, it's the, um, that you have to be TV ready the next yeah. morning for the next, so I fly to St. Louis and have to, yeah, so. You could be, on, so you're going to get up at like three in the morning and have to get three. TV ready. Right, right. To go get is, on and look like someone, a version of myself that my daughter doesn't recognize. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of work. There you go. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned that when you're writing, you, um, you you have a spot, you know, separate from the home, and then you mm -hmm. go out and spend several nights away. Do you ever go to a location and scout it out as a setting? I did. In the I book? did. That's a good question. Okay. Yeah. For most of my books, I haven't needed to. For some, yeah, this one set in, in Texas, you know, a fictional I was small wondering town. If, yeah. But it's Texas, and it, I don't know Texas mm -hmm. very well, other than you know, books and movies, um, and you know, occasional 
trips on book tours and so forth. But um, so I went down there. I spent some time. I went to SMU to their spring practices mm -hmm. and, um, you know, spent some time with the team and um, ate a lot of guacamole and drank some margaritas. <laughs> told my husband it was very hard work. It was. <laughs> Life of a writer, very stressful. <laughs> Had another margarita. So, um, yeah, the Dallas is, Texas in general, it's just so, there's so much color. So mm -hmm. it was really, it was a, it was a fun place mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Go. Did you tell the folks at SMU that you were researching for a book when you were there? Or I did. Was I did. It okay? Yes, I yeah. told them. I'm yeah. sure they thought, you know. I wonder if they're reading it look now, at, like looking well, for. Well, I, I sent them. I sent them copies, so hopefully, you know, they'll take a look. Um, yeah. It helps to be endorsed by some of these, you know, names in in sports. So yeah. It gives you a little more credibility as they as they decide whether to read it. But um, yeah. But yeah, I'm grateful to them. They were very kind about mm -hmm. letting me hang out and just mm -hmm. observe. Yeah. So it was yeah. fun. Um, we talked a couple minutes ago, too, about movies, mm -hmm. and one of your books, of course, was made into a great movie, one of my favorites. Oh, um, what's going on with your other books and movies? Is that, uh, I think I've read somewhere that, mm -hmm. that some of the rights have been optioned. Are there going to be other movies based on other Emily Giffen books? Well, the first two, two books are, are, were related to Something Borrowed and then Something mm -hmm. Blue um, was the sequel, and so, um, the movie, yes, the second movie is being made. Um, oh, exciting! Yes, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk before. about that yet. Yeah. No, that's so, awesome. um, and I'm writing the script, which I'm thrilled about. Oh, okay. and I'm sure it'll be rewritten and rewritten, but I get mm -hmm. the first crack at it. And Did so, you get the first crack at the script on something? Borrowed? No, no, no. Oh, no, like, okay. Not at all. The the producers um, of of something borrowed, Hillary Swank and Molly Smith. Mm -hmm. Molly was in Atlanta filming The Blind Side, and so she called me and after, right after she read, you know, uh, something she bought the rights to something borrowed. We mm -hmm. met, and she now we're very very close friends. Mm -hmm. But she, we joke that she was warned, don't get too chummy with the authors; they're all crazy. And I was <laughs> warned, they, you know, they you'll hate the movie. Like yeah. you're gonna hate the movie, so just prepare yourself. That, that's what people always say. And so yeah. we were both sort of told this. But I was very careful, and I knew it was by invitation only that they were involving me. So I was always very careful not to overstep, mm -hmm. not to think this is my book and how dare you change it. So it was very yeah. much like, you know, I would wait, and when they wanted, they asked my opinion, mm -hmm. I, I gave it, but I was always very respectful. Oh, I didn't realize it was that separate. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I said, this is what I think. Mm -hmm. Not until the end, there was a couple little things where I was like, come on, Molly, like, don't, like, this, this should be, you know, but that was more because we were really good friends at that sure. point. Um, and so because we all work so well together, you know, the, mm -hmm. the producers and the director and I, we, we form these really great friendships and great working relationships. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, and, and because I think the movie did, you know, well enough and, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe I'm in a slightly different point in my publishing career. So now I have more, you know, yeah. say in things, you know, mm -hmm. but again, I, I'm still, and I, I'm not just saying this to them. I mean it, it's mm -hmm. their world. I love writing fiction. Mm -hmm. I will always be a novelist. No matter. I, I don't want this career. I don't want to move to LA. I don't want to write for television. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, you know, focus on movies. Sure. So this is really fun to be able to write the first draft to something blue. But mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll be rewritten, and that's yeah. that's fine. What is that like writing the script based off the book that right. you've already written? I mean, is well, I never would have been able to do it with something borrowed, but because I was yeah. so involved in watching it and in working with okay. the screenwriters and, and listening, I really learned 
so much about it. And so now mm -hmm. I feel like I can write, um, you know, a, a, a decent first draft. But mm -hmm. I flew out to LA in February and we sat in this big conference room with index cards and we laid out, you know, the three acts. I mean, oh, I, okay. I guess everyone, probably everyone knows about like that all movies are pretty much three acts. And, mm -hmm. Uh, I wasn't aware that it could be broken down like that, but um, you know, so, <laughs> so you did that together. So yeah. We did that. We did okay. we we like beat by beat. Every you know yeah. every scene, you know of every of all three acts. We sort of got this mm -hmm. outline. So I'm working from that, but okay. then writing you know writing it within that. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's, it's, I feel really lucky that they're giving me this chance. Yeah. You know, I do feel like I still know the characters the best. Mm -hmm. But um, then, of course, the actors and actually uh, John Krasinski. Does do you all know him from mm -hmm. the from the Office? And he's 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 he'll play the lead in the second one. Oh, okay. And so he saw that I tweeted. I'm you know I'm fi finally going out and working on the script. Yeah. And he's very good friends with Molly, and so instantly texted her and said, "Is Emily coming out there? And why didn't you tell me that the script was being written? And I want to be involved." And she's like, "He's so pushy." <laughs> she loves John, but she was like, he can look at it when we're good and ready to show him. And I'm like, well, don't you think he would be really, and she's like, no, every actor just wants to make sure that their part's the best, and like, it's like, okay, whatever, it's your world. What a world. It what is. What a world it's, you're it's, in. I mean, it's, don't I love you wrong. just use Hillary it's, Swank, it's, like, yeah, earlier, yeah, like, no, I mean, it's, it's, That's awesome. it's, it's thrilling, it's so fun, Yeah. but it's fun you know, snippets here and there. Yeah. I mean, it's so far from my real, like, life and what I want my real life to be. Sure, so. sure, sure. One more question about that. Is sure. some, do you think that the script would be pretty close to the book, or do you think that you'll for, take some um, liberties? For, for, for the one that I'm writing? Yeah, There's a writing. couple of changes. Okay. And, yeah. Yes, that you worked out when you said But I feel like acts. if I'm yeah. comfortable with them, then hopefully the readers will be comfortable with them, too. Yeah. It just kind of works better. Yeah. Um, I should also mention that um, Love the One You're With is being made, too. It's, I was just going to yeah, ask. OK, so, that's so that kind one. of wow. happening, which is, which is exciting. But you never know with that world. You know, sure. it's, it's until it's really fully greenlit, and mm -hmm. you, know, you just never know what can happen. Yeah, so. yeah, what will eventually come out of it. Um, changing gears a little bit, sure. um, when, when you Google Emily Giffen, one of the things that comes up in the description of uh, your novels um, is chick lit. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about this we earlier. Um, I'd like to know, how, 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 how do you describe right. um, the novels that you've written and your stories, the stories that you tell? And, um, and what do you have to say about that, that being dubbed chick lit? Yeah. I could talk. I could give a whole like yeah. talk on that. Um, you know, I think of what I write as is, is is generally as women's fiction. Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of how it's dubbed. Although I do think this is the, the first book that I've written that men, you yeah, know, will really enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard that men don't read fiction as much as it's like eighty percent oh, of really? all novels are bought by, you know, and then men read more nonfiction. But yeah. there's exceptions to that. But the chiclet, you know, the the, the, the chiclet. It's, it's a tough one to answer because yeah. I think it's really more of a, of a marketing label and I think it's a function of when I first published. So when I wrote Something Borrowed, the mm -hmm. title, the working title of the manuscript was called Rolling the Dice. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a scene where she okay. rolls the dice and it's a question of like fate versus, yep. you know, how you, you control your own destiny. And the book really ends in, um, with a little bit of a bittersweet note mm -hmm. and a melancholic ending. And so it's not your typical 
you know, if it were made into, well, it was made into a movie, wasn't it? <laughs> if it were that. made into a movie. But it's not like the t typical, I mean, the, one of the things that was difficult to sell is like the protagonist is doing such an unlikable, unsympathetic thing. Mm -hmm. So that's a little different yeah. from your, you know. So, so in other words, I think what happened was it was the explosion of this genre called Chicklet with Bridget Jones' Diary. Mm -hmm. I was publishing then. My editor called and said, we want... Rolling the Dice isn't going to work for us as a title. That sounds mm. like a guy book about gambling. We need something girly. And I'm mm. like, okay, girly. And I just kept thinking my best friend's wedding, which of course was taken. And yeah. finally, you know, I'm like trying to write down wedding things. And it's not really about a wedding. It's yeah, about a no, troubled female friendship. Mm -hmm. And finally we came up with something borrowed. And then the cover came back and it was pink and it had a sparkly diamond ring on it. And, you know... I didn't object to any of that because mm -hmm. I didn't think in terms of marketing. I didn't yeah. think, I just wrote this book. Mm -hmm. And then I trusted these experts to say, okay, this is what, we're gonna package it and this is how it's going to sell. And you know what, they were right. Mm -hmm. Because it did sell, it was the first book made the bestseller list, which has yeah. everything to do with marketing and very mm -hmm. little to do, no one, had, no one knew me. So mm -hmm. they were right. And um, I think what's happened is I've grown up and my stories have changed and really there's no hallmark of chiclet. You know, if you consider yeah. other than first person, which is lots of people write in the first mm -hmm. person, but you know, my characters aren't shoe shopping. They're not drinking martinis. They're not, you know, I don't feel like yeah. they're, and not that there's anything wrong with the books where, where that happens, sure. but it's really not what I do. Mm -hmm. And so it, sometimes it's it's frustrating to, to to constantly hear that label because I feel like a lot of people, you know, women, men, people of all ages who would connect with my readers and the complex relationships, you know, mm -hmm. that I the things that I like to write about might not pick it up because mm -hmm. of the sparkly ring on the front. Yeah. And because I don't pick up books. If there's like a, you know, a, a mm -hmm. lipstick on the, or a shoe, I, I'm not drawn to that, to that book. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's one of the reasons that when I moved to Random House, we did change the covers because mm -hmm. they looked a little bit girly. They looked a little bit young. They looked a little bit chiclet. But yeah. all that said, um, I, I don't get offended by, by mm -hmm. that. And, you know, sure. I feel like I just want the readers who will enjoy my books to find them. And however mm -hmm. that happens, you know, I think is, is great. The only thing about the Chicklet label, I think when it's used to just sort of describe stories about women, for women, you know, mm -hmm. women who are dealing with relationships and whether they're buying shoes or drinking martinis or not, you know, I think that that label's okay, but when I have the sense that they're saying, you know, these books are all like beach read fluff and there's nothing of substance here, I think that suggests that, that, that women mm -hmm. or relationship-driven stories lack substance, which is, yes. which is sexist and I object to that. But mm -hmm. I, I really try not to get into that dialogue. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, mm -hmm. because I think, you know, I focus, I'm, I'm not in marketing and I write books. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to go and edit your Wikipedia yeah. myself. Take it so out. instead Take of it women's out. fiction. Well, the other thing, you know, <laughs> kind of tying back to the movies and, and, you know, I think that you have romantic comedies that are insipid and dull mm -hmm. and they don't have developed characters and you know what's going to happen within the first five minutes. And there's, you know, everyone's an extreme, you know, Black, mm -hmm. she's good, she's bad, she's this, they're all types, and, and I don't enjoy those movies. But you, you, you're talking when Harry met Sally, 
you know, some of the my very favorite movies are really, you know, comp interesting, layered, mm -hmm. relationship-driven, you know, r romantic comedies. And yeah. so I think that's how I like to think of my books is sort of, mm -hmm. I, I hope that they're more, they're the, the substantive version of the romantic comedies that men and women love and that mm -hmm. people love because they're about relationships and they're about people and they have yeah. those layers. Yeah. So. Um, speaking of men and women, what are your fans like? Well, what is your fan base like? Like, who, who is the audience that you're writing right. for? Um, you know, it, it's 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 hard to say because the people who come out j typically to some of my events mm -hmm. and skew younger because you know if you okay. want, when you're sort of in your older having a family or beyond that, mm -hmm. you might not be coming to some of these events. Um, so it, that's hard to say. And and mm -hmm. Facebook again, it's a different crowd than. Than people sure. who might be reading it. You know, I think that I've read from Random House again. That's a, like a marketing thing that mm -hmm. I, you know, um, it, it, it's typically like 30s and you know anywhere from the 20s to the 50s. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very broad. It's, yeah. it's women though. It is, it is women. Sure. Yeah. Um, Do you keep someone in mind, like an audience, when you're writing your books? I don't. No. I'm kind okay. of going back to the same thing. I try not to be just too strategic. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I don't. Sense. I don't think about that too much. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you're going through the writing process and you're working on a book and you're um, working on the story and developing the characters and all that, who do you trust to give help you mm -hmm. when you need a gut check or right, when you need right. someone to, am I going down the right, right. road? What do you think about this? Do you have a, a, a group of folks? Is I that your do. husband? Is that friends? Well, I have the same the same group when I was writing Something Borrowed. I mm -hmm. read my work chapter by chapter, which I think is somewhat unusual, but it's oh, my best okay. friend, my mother, and uh, my sister. And they're very, mm -hmm. my, my mother's a retired librarian. Mm -hmm. She's the reason that I'm, that I'm a reader and a writer. She cultivated that in me at a very young age. Mm -hmm. We, um, she reads more than anyone I know, very across the board, genres. She's just, Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I trust her in a in a in yeah. a way, and then my um, in a, in a certain in certain ways is like sort of a reader of fiction. Mm -hmm. And um, my sister and my best friend are very different. In in fact, they often have violently different feelings about characters. And like, you better not have this happen. And then my sister will say the exact opposite. So, um, <laughs> but I share it with them just because they're two very different. Voices and you know yeah. I, I I like to get their opinions and and so they read it chapter by chapter they and do feedback. that's what wow. kind of what that's I've great. always done like I'll send a chapter yeah. like you know not, not necessarily chapter by chapter but chunks sure as we go and yeah. um, I like getting that feedback from them yeah. and it, for me it builds confidence as mm -hmm. I work my way through to, to get to to reach the stage where I send it to my editor yeah. and then yeah. my husband um, he isn't a big reader of fiction but. I do think he's, you know, he's he's pretty good at, mm -hmm. at, at a, a broad read. He's also finds the little things, like he's, um, yeah. like, you know, there was someone on a red eye, and they looked down at Greenland, and he's like, she's on a red eye, be pitch black. I'm like, <laughs> great catch, honey. <laughs> so um, yeah. he, he's he's extremely, he's he's so supportive, and yeah. just, I mean, you know, I. He wrote congratulations like last night. I'm so proud of you. And I said to him, and it's true, like we mm -hmm. both know I wouldn't be able to do this without, without, without him. It's such a partnership, mm -hmm. marriage. Yeah, yeah, in general, it absolutely so. is. 
So this is your um, seventh book, and as we've mentioned a couple times, debuting number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, so what's next for you? What's what's coming up next? Do you? I mean, do you have? There's are there? You have a pile of other stories that you need to get through and tell. Um, do you have plans? How does that happen? And what do you see coming up next for Emily Giffen? Well, I have. You know, I want to finish the script for Something Blue. So that's mm -hmm. next up. Just, and I'm about two thirds the way finished. So mm -hmm. that's that'll be the first thing when I finish my tour. And I'll take you know a week off and do nothing and just hang with my kids, yeah. um, my husband. But um, after that, I'll, I'll finish something blue and then mm -hmm. I'll start writing my next book. And I have, I don't know exactly what I'm writing yet, but mm -hmm. I have little like I ideas of uh, this world that I that, that is interesting or this mm -hmm. idea, and I just question of sort of sitting down and, and really figuring out my premise and those first few characters. And I always get a baby name book out. I love, um, I love naming my characters. It's That's like the awesome. most- How fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, but I, this one was the first time I've changed a name mm -hmm. because Shay, I knew I wanted like a one syllable sort of gender neutral name, mm -hmm. but she used to be Drew. And then I spoke to a sales oh. Group at um, Random House, and I realized that I have a little bit of a stutter, and I stuttered every time I said Drew, and I was like, she's, I've got to change her name. This is terrible. And so recently, I was at a, a book talk, and I said mm -hmm. I called her Drew, and my publicist was like, Shay. I'm like, all right. She changed her name. So um, I, I want to know more about Astrid another time too. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's time for um, questions from the audience. That would be great. Shall we I'd do love that? To hear from you. We've got a microphone back there and a microphone over there, too. All right, we've got one right here. Out of all your books, do you have a favorite character? I mean, probably, ah, oh, that's hard. Um, probably, I don't know. <laughs> I'm very attracted to Conrad from where we belong, I have to mm. say. Um, I like him a lot, mm -hmm. but um, Darcy and Ethan, I have a sentimental spot for, and as I mentioned, yeah. I feel a kindred something with Shay in this book. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. that's a good question. Here we go. You became a lawyer, and, and I'm curious what caused that to happen. Yes. <laughs> Are you a lawyer? No, I'm not a lawyer, but I just find it fascinating that you know. Here's the thing about lawyers, and this is why you know so many lawyers who are doing other things now, because if you knew what you wanted to do, you would have gone to business school or medical school. But instead, you're sort of this liberal arts catch-all who wants to achieve, but you don't know what you want to achieve. So you just go to law school so that you can feel good that you've achieved something. I think mm -hmm. that's why so many lawyers leave because it's not really what they wanted to do, they just did it. And that's sort of why I did it. Because when it came right down to it in the final analysis, I knew I wanted to write creatively, but I was, I was scared because mm -hmm. I thought, well, I, can't, I don't wanna graduate from college starts this endeavor and instantly fail, then what will I do? Where's my safety net? And in some ways, I think that there was a smart you know, thing to do. And I, I, that's why when people say to me, should I not go to law school? I'm like, you can't say that. I don't regret going to law school. It enabled me to move to New York City. I might not have done that otherwise. New York really shaped my fiction early on. But I think the important thing is to just make sure, you know, just do a reality check at various points in your life and say, am I, am I happy now? And I was unhappy my first day as a lawyer. Did, did you take a lot of classes on journalism and um, fine arts or, or literature? Well, did, did I an undergrad? Yeah, an undergrad, yeah. No, um, I, I, really, I really did. I was an English history major, English minor. 
Um, you know what? I was I'm so sad about Maya Angelou. She was uh, taught at Wake Forest, but I didn't get into her class. I tried. Oh, she like, taught she when taught. you were there. I mean, oh, she just wow. taught. You know, it was really hard. Sure, sure. To get into her, you know, but I did. I never took her. But um, mm. so, no. And I, journalism was never. I mean, I was the editor in chief of my. I was editor in chief too. Yeah, we have some. <laughs> one thing why, yeah. here. <laughs> um, but my high school paper. So I liked journalism in high school, but it, it wasn't ever really. You know, I didn't want to do that. Um, that I wanted the creative writing thing. Although I did consider sports journalism, mm -hmm. which was fun to have give Shay that job. Yeah. But yeah. But I don't regret law school. Question over here. Um, there was a question about what comes next. What's the next book? What's the next thing you're going to mm -hmm. do? Is there ever going to be a time when you've told all the stories you want to tell or you're done with the 50 hours a week? Yeah. Or you feel like you're going to stop by your head, or is there a retirement for an author, or is it uh, once a writer, always a writer? I think w one of the great things about um, being an author is is that you don't, you know, you can keep, you can do it, you know, like you could think about Tim Duncan, he's retiring, you know, soon here, um, and his, his great passion is basketball, and, you know, I can be like a little old lady in a rocking chair and still write stories, and I hope, I hope that, um, that that's the case. I hope that I keep, you know, I, I, it's, it's sometimes, of course, with any job, no matter how passionate you are about it, you, 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 you yearn for the retirement, but um, it's, that's so far off for me, and I, I, I hope that I'll always write a story, and I hope that they just continue to evolve and reflect, you know, the changes in me. So, well, thank you. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank you all for coming. You guys are awesome. Thank, thank you, Emily. I appreciate it.